and welcome to my Talking Cats podcast. I'm Miranda Luck. I'm delighted to be joined by a superb vet and a genuinely lovely person, Nikki Gould. We'll be chatting about Nikki's passion for cats, their welfare, and her new mobile cat clinic, the Coastal Cat Vet. And just what was she doing on top of the fridge? Let's find out. Welcome, Nikki. I know who you are, but for all the fans out there listening, (laughs) my mum and family, just tell us a little bit about yourself, please. Well, I don't think I've hit dinosaur status yet, but I qualified in 2003 and yeah, basically cut my teeth in a busy general practice um, on the outskirts of London and started to realise that all the cat clients were starting to bring their cats to me. And I mean, I grew up in a little bit in Africa. My parents were real avid wildlife people. And so I grew up around big cats and, and always had pets and kind of didn't realise by osmosis, I think that had started my total obsession with cats. And yeah, suddenly I started being the cat vet and people bringing me, <laughs> bringing me their cats because apparently, you know, they would behave a bit better or I would just, you know, be able to just be a bit calmer with them. I don't know. So I I started to kind of get really, really interested when I went on my first ISFM Congress, mm-hmm. which was an Aussie vet and said to me, oh, you know, we should go on this. And I was like, amazing. Yeah, let's do it. Good accent. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> That's good. Oh, I'd better explain that ISFM stands for International Society of Feline Medicine. It's part of the charity International Cat Care. It's the veterinary part, and it provides resources and amazing congresses for vets and nurses on feline medicine and surgery. And it's encouraging practices and clinics to become more cat friendly. Yeah, so I I went on that and I was hooked from that minute. It was almost like I found my tribe. Of, of vets and lovely, lovely people. So I ended up um, traveling a little bit and doing a bit of sort of various things and kept coming back to cat stuff. And in 2008, I joined Kit to Cat and I, that was, there was no looking back. Once I'd gone into a cat practice, okay. it was, it was going to be me forever. So, so those who don't know, can you tell us just a little bit about Kitten and Cat and why it was different from other things? Yeah, so it was the first practice in London that was cat only. People had heard of Oxford Cat Clinic and, you know, the sort of the cat clinics. And in Australia, New Zealand, there were quite a few cat clinics and obviously in America. But over here, we were a bit slower to start on the cat clinic. And um, it was around about the same time that Cat Friendly Clinic from ISFM was getting really big. And people were just kind of sitting up a bit and going, there are different ways to do things, you know, and welfare being at the forefront of that. So basically, Detter had set up this beautiful clinic in London, which totally was built on the principles of the Cat Friendly Clinic. Mm-hmm. And I just saw the difference, you know, having worked in practice for as long as I had at that point, I just was, I was amazed how much calmer these cats were. And as a result, how much more we could do with them and how much more accurate everything was. And, you know, we weren't getting scratched and bitten anymore. And it was just lovely because they'd come in a lot calmer. So, I mean, I worked for them for 13 years and still, you know, drop back for the old shift and um and I guess it's just having that whole practice ethos you know cat loving nurses um yeah. even from reception so yeah. they they did a wonderful job and then obviously since then more cat practices have, have popped up um, there has been sort of a whole sea change hasn't there of you know exactly. so and you're part of that movement that's 
<laughs> well, it's it's been lovely to be part of it. I've seen, you know, I mean, I've been practicing nearly 20 years now, quite scarily. And um, to see that change, you know, see people's attitudes change. And, you know, new grads are coming out now and they know about cat handling techniques. They know about, you know, how to, even just the words cat friendly, they're looking for jobs that have got cat friendly status. It's lovely. And, you know, it's growing all the time, I think. It's just a really exciting thing to be part of. And so much better for these individual cats as well, whose welfare is just improving, improving. And you're about to set up a practice of your own, but you're moving things on in that the cats will no longer be coming to you. You'll be going out to the cats. Absolutely. Yeah. So about three years ago, I started working for the cat doctor, Mm -hmm. um, which is a home visiting service in Surrey. And um, it was post having my twin boys. I was looking for something that was maybe a bit more sort of work-life balance friendly. And I found Amy and her wonderful practice and just was a convert again. You know, I, I didn't think it could get any better being in a cat clinic. But then I started home visiting and just seeing the cats in their own environment. I mean, it just opened up a whole new world of behaviour and understanding mm-hmm. what that cat deals with on a daily basis. And so I just feel now it's so much more thorough, the, the sort of the holistic approach to, to these cats' lives and being able to advise them on everything from, yeah. you know, where their litter trays are. It's much easier when you're stood inside the house talking to the owner and seeing what that cat is dealing with. So, yeah, I started working for her Um uh, she's got a, an amazing, amazing van, which is lovingly known as the Catmobile. And we basically pull it up onto the owner's drive. We plug in. And if we need to do anything under anesthesia, we've got a mobile practice. Wow. Home visiting, the, the normal consultations, we just turn up in, in a little car, me and wow. her. And it's just wonderful to be able to sedate that cat before covid in the arms of the owner yeah and they say a little goodbye the cat doesn't really know that it's left the house we go into the van we do what we need to do wow. and then we recover them and you know within a few hours they're back with their owner and the biggest commute they've done is from doorstep to the van there's such territorial animals that and you think putting them into a car and taking them to somewhere like a veterinary practice with other species I think there's just plenty of facts and figures that show that that sort of trip can affect the vet's diagnosis because of what's happening to the cat through all that stress. Yeah, and for hours afterwards. I think, Mm. you know, even when I was at the cat clinic, you know, we would have a cat in and test its blood glucose, you know, sort of good three, four hours and it would still be really high, blood pressure as well. And I think we automatically assume, well, put them in a cage and they'll settle down and they look fine. Well, we all know they're massive masters of disguise and actually they're not fine at all. So, yeah, I'm bringing it to, I moved down to Brighton and Hove last March with my family and just came down here and was like, oh, my goodness, this is crying out for it down here. Same sort of thing as London and Surrey in the sense that parking is terrible, (laughs) you know, dressed in traffic jams. And um, there's nowhere really to easily get into a clinic. And just to bring back that personal service as well, I think um, the rise of the corporates, as we know, it's just nice to be able to be me and a nurse and provide that personal service. So, yeah, starting in April, the Coastal Cat Vet. (laughs) 
fantastic. Now, you mentioned the nurse because I was going to ask about that. So there must be instances um, when you arrive in the car and you get to the house, open the door, and there's no cat. Or do you, <laughs> have you had that or do you have systems in place to make sure that everything's going to go to plan? We all know working with, with animals, they are going to have their own rule book and then cats have an extra chapter, I think. Yes. Um, but, but generally, we try to have systems in place that we have reminders for the owner and the situation where most of our owners are really, really sort of used to us talking a lot before we come to see them about how the visit's going to go. Mm-hmm. So we will say, you know, shut your cat up <laughs> if you can shut doors to rooms that have loads of places they can hide and it's quite common actually to examine these little cats in a bathroom or a kitchen where they can't get under anything and they can't get above anything just because you know you don't want the chase around that's the worst thing because Mm. then they're stressed and Mm. it's their home and you've got to respect that Mm. and there are some cats that even with the best will in the world and giving gabapentin before we turn up and you know, very, very calm situation won't be suited to home visiting because mm-hmm. they are, it is their safe space mm-hmm. and we don't want to invade that. Um, it's mm-hmm. got to be a stress-free process, otherwise we say, and we're quite happy to say, mm-hmm. you know what, we don't want to, to worry this good cat so that they're now worried at home as well. Yeah, that's a really, really interesting point. Fair, it's rare. We will get around it. We use a lot of gabapentin. Um, we use a lot of sort of, techniques it can sometimes just take time just visiting and spending and that's the luxury of this service is that you know we have an hour per yes. client so we can sit down have a cup of tea you know pre-covid um, yes. <laughs> so just chill out and be a friend in the house before yes. we do anything but yeah those sort of individual cases where we're quite happy to say this is safer for everyone mm-hmm. in a clinic and just again, for those who don't know, so gabapentin is a sedative. Yeah. Um, and it seems to be proving quite popular with cats and cat <laughs> cat handlers. Uh, so what is so special about that? Because I know people have seen other sedatives and their cats have been poorly or disorientated or. Yeah, it's something that's that's really become an absolute must for cat vets in the last probably last five years I would say mm-hmm. um we it's or an oral tablet or a liquid and you give it one to two hours prior to needing to do anything with the cat mm-hmm. um the owners are normally quite adept I think people worry that they're not going to be able to get it into the cat the other thing about doing home visiting is we're there we're showing them you know use licky licks use this treat use you know and actually holding their hand through the whole process and it's very rare we don't get cats to take something which again mm-hmm. is very different to practice where they're sent off with something yeah um, told to deal with it and then oh look they can't give it to the cat so it provides sort of an anti-anxiety sedation. It's not an anti-anxiety drug, but for cats, it will just take the edge off them. It just mm-hmm. allows them to have things done that would normally be a bit stressful mm-hmm. to just be okay with it. Almost, I get more comments with people saying, I don't think it's worked. <laughs> <laughs> and then we handle the cat and we know it's worked because... Suddenly, we're, we're able to just very gently take bloods in a beautiful rapsio, may I add, which is just wonderful because it's like a big cuddle in a blanket. 
And, you know, they feel secure, the nurse feels secure because, you know, we know we're all safe and unlike a towel, you're not going to get a claw through it. And we just wrap them in that and just very gently raise their head. And sometimes with the beautiful licky licks, they're just licking that and we take the blood. And there's no overhandling, there's no um, scuffle. There's, you know, it's just a lovely thing. And the owner sat there watching it going, wow, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so it just allows us just to, to do things just in a calmer way. And side effects wise, you know, it's very minimal. And time-wise, because I know a lot of issues with vets and handling cats is a lot of them want to do the right thing and they know the right techniques, but it's this time time constraints and they sort of think, well, let's use the restrainer container, used to be called cross cage, um, yeah. instead. Yeah, I think, you know, I've worked in busy, busy, busy practices and where time is, is of the essence and you need to just get on with it and you haven't got this luxury of, oh, you know, let's uh, spend an hour. Let's have a cup of tea. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, isn't that nice? <laughs> so I've been there and I think the key is that you read the cat, you you look at the behaviour from the off mm-hmm. and you know, generally, if you're watching that cat, what it's going to need and there are some cats that do I you know I I'm a total non-scruffer obviously but I I believe in the restrainer container in certain situations absolutely and I've done a lot of TNR work as well where you know you go abroad and you're doing trap neuter release and it it is a safe way of hands-off approach giving sedation and I think the way it is used is the most important thing you know uh, when it was called the crush cage hideous because I think people would take that so literally that we have to crush this cat so just very gently edging that cat towards you and being able to then just sneak in very slowly an intramuscular injection through the bars they don't even notice and you know I'm talking about owned cats when you're talking about feral cats yes things like that it's a different matter but yeah it's all every cat you just have to approach differently and you have to not have a one rule fits you know all it's Mm -hmm. it is literally watching that cat watching that tail twitch watching the fur and the heckles Mm -hmm. are they starting to tense you know my my nurses are amazing for when they are just very gently holding they feel that tension building. Mm. And you've got to listen to that. As the vet, I'm just taking the blood. I've, I'm not holding them. And, you know, when, they're, when they are wrapped like that, if that nurse suddenly goes, mm, mm. we've just suddenly got a little bit upset here, the first thing I'll do is reach for injectable sedation if I need to. Mm. And I have no problem with that because I think that cat has to have a good experience. Yes. And everyone has to be safe. And I probably reached for for sedation you know more than than most because mm-hmm. I just think it's not worth let's just try just try this just try yeah 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 lost the trust of the cat you know the nurse is is then upset because they've told you they weren't happy so it's really important to listen to them so you're visiting gazillions of cats over the over the years have you seen any trends in health is there anything you're worried about so I think it's the the usual stuff is still always going to be there. So the dental disease, the mm-hmm. kidney disease, the thyroid disease, we see those regularly. I do have 
slight concerns just with the amount of pets that were obviously purchased in lockdown. Cats get very used to their owners being around too. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, my two needy ones, yours, I know. You know, they just, cats are all about routine. I worked through most of the pandemic and I we were seeing at the start of it, a lot of cats that were having stress-related issues because their owner was suddenly home all the time. Yeah. And you know, this cat was like, excuse me, you know, this was my nap time. And now there's people talking on Zoom. And then it started to calm down again as they got used to it. Mm-hmm. And then obviously people are starting to go back to work and things are changing again. And we're seeing a little bit of a change again. So definitely younger cats that were purchased in lockdown who maybe are hitting that one to two years old behavioral you know where they can just be kind of slightly naughty teenagers I think starting to see some behavioral things there that could be an issue. You've mentioned about you know the people more people buying pets and buying cats or getting cats have you seen an increase in people getting exotics or more by exotics? I mean, the sort of yeah. Persians or Siamese or ragdolls or the sort of purebred cats. Yeah, it's um, it's funny because obviously having worked in London in kitten to cat and then I've, I've done sort of I've worked at a few other cat clinics. It is quite regional sometimes that you will okay. get more moggies and more posh cats, as we call them. It's interesting. I think I see a lot of moggies. Down here in Brighton and Hove, don't know. Uh, you know, we'll see what I find. But I'm hearing more that savannas and things like that are being bought. I find that personally worrying. For a few years ago, it was it was about Bengal and how would the Bengal fit in to our very busy lifestyles and you know and met some amazing Bengals who are very very happy and and fit into their family life just fine but I've also met some that have really struggled with the constraints of our kinds of lives where we maybe have small gardens or roads or they don't own the entire neighborhood there is actually another cat in the neighborhood that would quite like to go into that garden there's that fisticuffs again it's a behavioral thing I do worry that in this tiny little island of ours is there room for these yeah. more wild sort of animals? But yeah, I I love all the ragdolls and the Siamese's and the British shorthairs and that we see, and they're all such characters. And you definitely notice traits. You do. Um, you do. Yeah. You do. You know, I grew up with Siamese, who was with me until she was twenty three, and um, honestly, it's the best education because. <laughs> I always say to my clients, I'm a cat owner first and then a vet. (laughs) Honestly, Hebe was just a totally unique cat. But then you meet other Siamese and you're like, oh, my God, my my Siamese used to do that. You know, I love it. I love that breed trait um, that you see in them, definitely. What about the things like naughty torties? Is is that a thing? Is it definitely a thing? (laughs) It's funny because I think... You know, it's easy to label them as that. I've met some absolutely squidgy torties that just, you know, like total tarty torties, they should be called, really. (laughs) So I think it is genuinely that you just treat every cat as an individual. It's funny because when a when a torty does start, you know, being a little bit feisty, you just immediately go, no, no, torty, torty. But I have plenty of, you know, little tabby females. They're a big one yeah. who know their own mind, and you know, it's on their terms, and we just don't have a term for them. So no. 
you know, but definitely there's a thing. I, and, you know, you little black and whites who, my little black females as well, who are just, we call them ninjas, you know, they're just, <laughs> fast. They're just so fast, <laughs> tiny and fast. So, yeah, it's, it's lovely. You can tell I just um, get a little bit in love with them all, really. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm sure you've had lots of interesting stories and tales and, and owners is there anything that really sticks out? Honestly, most days there's something funny happening in terms of <laughs> You have to have a sense of humour. I mean, I've always had a sense of humour in every job I've done, because yeah. better you do, but you really have to with home visiting because you just get this snapshot of a person's life that you would not be privy to otherwise. Absolutely. And you can be in some very funny situations where, you know, I've been standing on tops of fridges. <laughs> Um, like I'm quite small but you know you just you suddenly have this this moment where you're like am I actually doing this <laughs> yeah trying to fish cats out of places which is why we just try so hard to not let that happen but inevitable sometimes it's just so funny we have the cats that when the, we pull up the van you know onto somebody's drive and we're plugging in and then a cat will jump in do you have a problem? Would you like to show me your sore tooth? You know, it's hilarious. It's lovely. And it's feeling part of the community. We then kind of take cat out and say, right, it's not your turn today. <laughs> <laughs> the mobile unit, you can do GAs. Yeah. What are, what other bits and bobs have you got in there? Oh, well, so we do, I do ultrasounds. The ultrasounds I tend to do in the home. So that uh-huh. the cat doesn't have to leave the home. Mm-hmm. And that's open. We have oxygen, have everything on hand. But yeah, we do. I, I love my dentistry. So mm-hmm. we've got dental x-ray in there. And wow. we um, have got a separate little surgical area. So um, when you shut the door, that is sterile. And we do neutering any sort of any procedures that don't require long hospitalisation afterwards because yeah. we're not hospitalising. Yeah. So, yeah, it's really good. And, you know, I hope when it comes down to Brighton, Elise Robertson with her endoscopy, she she's happy to do that in the van and visiting specialists, you know, cardiologists and things if they need wow. to. So it's lovely. We kind of, the world is our oyster, really. Don't do orthopedics. That's just because I don't really like it. <laughs> but it's also thinking about the animal afterwards and wanting to make sure they're then not having to travel on to somewhere mm-hmm. else. So mm-hmm. um, it's really, what can I do that then I can give that cat back to the owner afterwards? Because, you know, they go home earlier than they would do in a clinic, obviously. Yeah. So they need to be awake. They need to be um, with it. So this must be a pretty big-sized van. Oh, yeah. It's a Luton van. You know, you go in there and it's quite often you forget you're in the van once you get going. Yeah. Because all the mod cons in there and aircon and heating. And- Did you design the layout and everything? No, I can't take credit at all. So that was Amy at the cat doctor, her okay. and she, um, her nurse. So, yeah, cannot take credit, but just fell in love with it. And it's, yeah, now now I should be owning it. And it's just, yeah, it's just lovely. She really thought of everything you know it's snack bar <laughs> well maybe not that <laughs> although now you know, like <laughs> coffee machine and snack bar could be quite nice <laughs> you, so in essence I mean you're you're in Brighton and Hove if you have van can travel yeah, completely this wow. is it I mean my kind of big not concern but that I'm mindful of is that to keep it a very personal service, yeah. you can't over-promise and over 
subscribe yourself really keeping that area relatively small I don't want to be feeling that I'm letting down a person on one end of my area because I yeah. can't get in time so it's keeping it small and personal that you can still do a good job for everybody mm-hmm. and I think that would be probably my biggest concern about the business going forward is that people love it and people want to use it and when people hear about it cat loving people even if their cat isn't scared of the vets and doesn't have a terrible time at the vets just the fact that they can have you come to their home absolutely so it's not getting too big that I then can't provide that personal service to everybody franchise (laughs) (laughs) oh I'm not a businesswoman come on (laughs) it's amazing I'm even setting up my own practice to be honest with you this has just come because I am a total believer in it. Yeah. I want to do it. And so that's why I'm doing it. But franchising, whoa, my goodness. <laughs> so at the moment, it's the mad kind of getting everything ready and sorted and logos and designs, getting my nurses on board. And it's exciting times. Which Very exciting. Lots of plates spinning. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Oh, yes, because I should mention you have two adorable. I'm I'm more cats than kids, but yours, I have to say. I can't admit that, but <laughs> <laughs> <So> am I. <laughs> they're cuties, really sweet. I think they'd give anything to be in the van being my little helpers, actually. So, you know. Mm, you there you the go. Cats. There's the future. There's the team. Oh, my goodness. It would be chaos, honestly. <laughs> Twin plastic. But, um, yeah, they're about to turn five in a couple of months. And um, yeah, it's crazy times because you obviously met them when they were about four months old, when they were at a conference, at a cat conference. conference. Yeah, they are very much ensconced into the whole thing. And talking of um, conferences, are you going to go to the next ISFM or are you going to be super busy? Or No, I, I thought it was really important this year. To, to go it's the first time in a couple of years that it's going to be face-to-face mm-hmm. and as I said it was a conference that really started this whole love for me really mm-hmm. and have a lot of really lovely friends and people that I am so excited to see after not seeing them for a couple of years and actually it's longer for me because I was in my own lockdown with twins so <laughs> I haven't actually been to one having gone to one every year for years Honestly, it looks fantastic. The actual programme is so exciting and a lot about, you know, holistic care, which as a, as a home visiting vet is just music to my ears. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much. For your, I know you're super busy. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this for me and for everyone who's listening. It's been really, really interesting. An amazing thing that you're setting up and good luck with it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And yeah. It's kind of a dream realised after all this time to finally be doing it. But um, If anyone's going to do it, Nikki's going to do it. And do it with bells on. <laughs> Thank you so much. Honestly, it's been lovely to chat to you.